The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Citizens of Lorcana podcast, a podcast where we invite you to be part of their world. We're your hosts, Jared and James, and today we're talking about competitive versus casual play in Lorcana. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, before we get into the meat of the episode, we're actually going to time hop to a conversation that we have with Adara discussing a brand new card that Disney Lorcana was kind enough to allow us to reveal. So we're going to hand it over to ourselves. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome to a very special edition of the Citizens of Lorcana podcast. Or maybe I should say welcome to the very first citizens of Lorcana live cast today we are joined by co-host extraordinaire james riley and then the one the only the amazing guest co-host adara hey guys how excited are we uh, oh man super excited super excited but also super nervous as this uh you know this is being our first live stream and uh hope it goes well so uh yeah excited and nervous I'm super excited, and I have full confidence in James as the uh, live streaming extraordinaire expert. I, I have full confidence that everything will go perfectly because of the work he has put into it. So I have zero problems with that. But I did have a really cool story to tell you guys quickly. So we just had Halloween, right? And I'm in the northern United States, and we actually had snow on Halloween. Like, it was actively, like snowing and like blowing everywhere i worked that morning and driving home i like almost all right all right Adara, i'm gonna have to stop you there as exciting as snow on halloween is that's not why we're here for james how excited are you well as i mentioned i'm super excited but what is even more exciting is you know as as adara mentioned i have been doing the uh, comic-con blog uh live podcast every season for like 11 years um, and this background behind me here has been here, I think for at least five years, but I made a change. I added my, uh, brave little Taylor, uh, D20. All right. All right. I'm going to have to cut both of you guys off. No more tangents. We aren't going down any more rabbit holes. We are recording live after all. It's not like I can go back and edit this stuff out. We are here for one reason and one reason alone. And that is Treville, a brand new, never before seen Lorcana card. So without further ado, James, take it away. All right. Okay. So here we go. Here is the card. Are we ready? There it is. Ready. Oh! Beautiful right. rainbow. It's yeah. Sir Hiss, isn't it? <laughs> All right. So actually, so let's get going here. Time for the card reveal. Uh, and now let's go. Like, oh, hey. Okay. So. 
This is a four cost uninkable. Mm. Uh, and as you can see, there is some blue in there, but we don't know what that actually means. So it's right? blue. I wonder if there's a flounder in there. Maybe. Let's Tiana has out. a lot of blue and she's a steel card. So we'll find out. Okay. Next. Aha. It's a rare. And the artist is Lisette Carrera. And it's card number 162. Uh, Adara, would you tell us a little bit about uh, Lisette? Yeah, it's actually really cool. She's a new artist for set two. And we've seen two of her other cards so far. She did Mulan Reflecting that we saw a couple of days ago. And the Daisy Duck Secret Agent that we saw, which kind of gives off that I think it was Morgana vibes. Just really cool artwork that we've seen from her so far. So excited to see this card as well. Yes, beautiful art on both of those cards. Love them both. All right, so what what do we have next? We have, this is an action card in Sapphire. Ooh. Jared, are you happy that it's in Sapphire? I'm very happy that it's in Sapphire. That's my go-to color and anything to help me win games, I love. Okay, so next we have... The flavor text. Down, down, down she went, floating in a swirl of ink. How curious. And I think that some people may be uh, figuring out what this card is at this point. Uh, so let's move on. And here's the name of the card. Falling down the rabbit hole. And I think that now everyone has figured out what card this is from but are we sure because there are multiple rabbits in multiple different movies uh, i see it i see it in the chat it. they're all calling alice all right well they might be right so let's find out and <laughs> what's going <laughs> on there it is it's alice yes this is Falling our down first... the rabbit. go ahead this is our first Alice in Wonderland card that actually has Alice on it. Yes. And it's our 10th Alice card, Alice in Wonderland card in total. Um, unless some random card that we don't remember and we looked them up and we didn't count right. You know, there, we only have 10 fingers. So it's very possible. It's very we possible. Have 30 between us. Yes. And now I'm sure you guys all want to know what does this card do? Right? What does it do? Does it, does is- it have? Well, it has to. It's an action. Never mind. <laughs> it does something, right? You guys, you guys, check this out. Okay, here we go. Each player chooses one of their characters and puts them into their inkwell, face down and exerted. Now, is that crazy, Sara? Let's oh. talk about that. Man, it's a super cool card ability. It reminds me a lot of Let It Go, but um, instead this is hitting both players. So you have to give up one of your characters to do it as well to their character. I love the fact that this can essentially let you get at least two ink in a single turn, which can be really helpful for that Sapphire ramping deck. So I'm really excited to see this as the ability of this action. Yes, and uh, there are obviously uh, some really good uses for this, both for your own ramp, but also removal for your opponent. It is a multi-use card. It's like combining one jump ahead and let it go into one card, right? So 
uh, you can do things. There's lots of things you can do with this. Um, so if you if you're in a like straight ramp deck and you want to get ramp as much as you can, you can play Mickey turn three. And then on turn four, you can sing one jump ahead and play this. And you can just you can just be like ramping to who knows where. Um, so I, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what kind of things people can do with this card. Now, uninkable means, of course, that there are there are some issues in deck building and trying to figure out if this is actually worth it. But I think I think removal is a pretty good thing, right? The removal aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that uh, I like about Sapphire is it does have that removal package. It has Hades, it has Let It Go, and now it has Falling Down the Rabbit Hole. But the thing that's awesome about this is it does allow you to ramp. And I really, really, really want the ramp package to be a thing. And we've seen a lot of cards for set two recently that help support this package. And we've also seen a lot of cards that have card draw. So like one of the things I've struggled with with ramping is that you run out of cards pretty quickly. But now with Basil and then um, what was the one that was revealed just today? Sisu? Yeah, Sisu. Sorry, brain fart. So we're having all these cards that have card draw now. So that should help fuel the engine. Yeah. I like how this... Go ahead, James. Oh, no, you do. Oh, I was just going to say, I also like how this can get around ward characters. So like if you're if the ward character is like the only character on the board, or maybe it's the character that the opponent thinks is the best to put into their inkwell, um, this card technically works there because you are not the one choosing your opponent's um character. They're the one choosing it, which means they can choose a ward character to place down into their inkwell. So it can kind of sneak its way around ward, which is pretty handy as well. Yes. And you can try setting that up by clearing some of their other characters so they only have the one choice. Exactly. Uh, which is another option is later in the game, if you happen to uh, run into this, yes, of course, uh, you're going to be losing one of your characters. But what if it's right after someone played Be Prepared on you and and they sung it so that they immediately played out another character? And now they only have one character on board. You can play this and just wipe out that character immediately. Uh, there's a, there's going to be a lot of situational uses for it, as people are mentioning in the chat. I just think that this is something that maybe can replace one of one or two of your one jump aheads, uh, so you don't have to ha- uh, have too many extra uninkables if you're in the ramp package. Uh, and I think it's something that uh, you can make use of having other cards to to put in the deck and using this instead as part of the ramp package. Awesome. Any thoughts or comments from the chat before we close out here? Yeah, let's uh, see. Does anyone have any comments or ideas or questions? Uh, Lots of people bringing up Cusco. Cusco, Yeah, I was going to say, I like the Cusco. Cusco goes down the rabbit hole. But is he a llama when he goes down the rabbit hole is the question. Yeah, where's where's llama Cusco? He's got to be here sometime. Someday, somewhere, right? And while we're waiting for some responses to come in, just wanted to take a moment to give a big, big thank you to Robinsberger and the Disney Lorcana team for allowing us to reveal this card. This has been a truly uh, honor of our Lorcana experience and just super grateful for that. Yes, thank you so much, uh, Team Team Lorcana, Robinsberger. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yes. See, so is sure. this playable if your character... If- 
if you have no characters on board but your opponent does i'm i mean i think so i mean isn't it the you don't have to fulfill like the elsa if you don't have um if there's if the character's already exerted uh, you don't have to fulfill that portion of it to and to fulfill the second portion. So this is something that we may have to get a ruling on. But as far as I know, uh, it isn't necessarily conditional on it fulfilling every bit of it. Yep, I would agree. It doesn't, it, as of right now, it very much seems like you could play this if you do not have a character on board, but your opponent does or vice versa. There you go. All right. Uh, and thank you all for for joining us and uh, watching us do this short little reveal. Uh, hopefully, we'll be doing some more lives in the future, right, Jared? You've been trying to get me to do this from day one, so here we are. That's we right. should do it. We should do it again. Because <laughs> you guys can then hear us and all of the mistakes. Which actually, we don't make that. I mean, we don't make any mistakes, do we, Jared? We we're, we're pretty good. <laughs> we never make mistakes. Come on, we record for an hour and we post an hour. That's the way it goes in the Citizens of Lorcana world. That's not, that's not how it goes. We record for like an hour and two or three minutes, and then we post an hour. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you, everyone, for coming out. This has been a blast. So hopefully we'll be able to do this again sometime. Yes. Appreciate it. And thank you all for joining us. And I guess we'll see you somewhere, right? Actually, you can listen to this again tomorrow morning along with the rest of our next okay. podcast episode now now you're going on tangents again it's time to I end know. the stream adara any parting words it was awesome to be here again with you guys and i am with james we should do more lives all right all right message all right, received hit the, hit that stop button let's 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 see you guys later hey everyone welcome welcome to another week last week we talked with a good friend of the show zbex so if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, make sure to go back and catch it. It was a really great episode. And today we are talking about competitive versus casual play and reviewing reveal season. So as of recording this podcast, there are 16 days until set two is released. We're in the middle of set two reveals. And James, what have you made of the reveal so far? Let's start with the good and then we can move into potential areas of improvement. And I'm just talking about the actual like execution of the reveals. Well, uh, I really enjoyed like the duel in the Lorcan HQ Discord, where there was like a set of rules, like like you like Mim did in the movie, and then they just revealed a Mim and a Merlin and a Mim and a Merlin. Like the fight went back and forth. So I really enjoyed that. Um, overall, I, I enjoy how the cards are coming out with coming out from a bunch of different people including us yeah yeah and uh so i i think it's been pretty fun uh seeing it i of course would have liked to have seen more cards faster but and we still have over half the set to see as you mentioned 16 days to release and we have over 100 cards left um i think i'm not sure if we're i, th I mean i assume we're going to see everything in the app like before it launches or at least a few days before it launches so we'll know everything before the set's actually out like we did for set one but um part of me is thinking that it's both a good and a bad thing that we don't have everything yet because there's still some mystery about what we can find 
Yeah, no, I I think for set one, it was the week before, like one week before Gen Con is when all the cards were uploaded in the app. For me, the good that I've enjoyed from the release of set two, I love seeing <laughs> all the international reveals. I think that's so cool. Uh, I've enjoyed going into the German Discord when they had all their reveals. And I joined the French Discord to look at the French reveals. And (laughs) I've also enjoyed trying my hand at Google Translate and (laughs) trying to make sense of the card. Because as you know, one of the things I like to do is to reshare these cards on Twitter as soon as possible. And a lot of times the English translation just hasn't been available. So I've learned, I've learned, like a lot of times if you don't put the translation up, people roast you for like being dumb and not speaking the language. And then if you do put the translation up, then they roast you for not having an exact uh, word for word translation of it. It truly is one of those experiences where you can't, like you can't win, but yeah. That, that's been the good part for me. The The area that I think for potential improvement, and you touched on this already, I think is just the speed of the reveals. And, and the other thing, too, is just being made like a lot of the other card games say at such and such a time, you can expect a reveal. Like if we had a schedule where we could all get online we were all on Twitter. We were all on Facebook. We were all on Discord. And they're like, at 7 o'clock, at this time, in this place, we're going to share with you this new card. It will be legendary. Like, if they said something like that, that would be awesome. Yeah. But, of course, we wouldn't expect them to do that for every card they're revealing. Just, like, like have a base number of cards they do that with. So we can expect a certain number of cards. And then they can do the surprise reveals in discords or in articles or where all the other things that they do to help generate uh all of the hype around the set in all the different places that they do it yeah because realistically if they wait a month after the set releases to start the previews for the next set they could easily do one reveal a day at a given time at a given location and i guess some of the mystery and the excitement is taken out of that experience. If you know when and where a card is going to be revealed, then you almost start being, you know, becoming entitled. But also here we are 16 days until this set is to be released. And I think you said we have over half the cards yet to be revealed. And this last week, I think you told me earlier, there have been 30 cards just in this last week. Yes. So that's, that's a huge chunk of cards. If we were talking this time last week, we'd be saying, oh, there's only 70 cards. I don't know. I don't know what the number is, but it would be something like that. Yeah, it's it's crazy the amount of uh, of cards we got just in the last, well, since we last recorded, basically. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, spoiler alert. I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to cover all 30 cards in today's um, podcast. <laughs> no, I don't think so. There's a lot. That's 30 cards is... I mean, if we talked about all of them for only 30 seconds, then we can't do the ones justice we want to really dig into. And we would also be talking for a minimum of 15 minutes. Yeah. Now, we, uh, you saw me post this on Twitter 
Um, I was asking people on Twitter, our listeners, how they felt about us going over card reveals on the podcast. And somebody mentioned something that I thought was actually maybe a good idea. He said, you know, what if you had, he said a Patreon exclusive where you go over each of the cards. And I don't know if we're at the point where we want to go the Patreon route, but even if we recorded a special episode where it was just us digging into the cards, you know, that's not a terrible idea. That's not, no. Just do like a half hour episode, especially when it gets so heavy with cards like this week. Uh, just having, talking about the cards and how they fit into decks and how we think they might have uses and combos we can think of and things like that. That'd be pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, look at the art. uh all right so uh you mentioned uh what you think may may be a good change um about the reveal season uh i'm trying to think about it what i would change and i'm not like having a regular thing would be nice i don't even need it to be like often regular just regular regular like it could be weekly you know just so we know at least one card a week is getting posted like in fact i think they may have started that with the Mulan card reveal that they did as a post on the official website. And it's going to be like where they talk about the card from someone creating the game or working on the game. I will hope that becomes the regular reveal where they do those like once a week, like all the time, you know, as soon as set two is over, maybe they'll skip a week uh, for, you know, release week and then start in on set three at some point or two weeks, because of course they have to wait for big box. So like those, that, you know, a dead two weeks in between the LGS release and the big box release. But then in like, as soon as they can, they kick it off with another reveal just immediately for set three or the, whatever the next set is and just start weekly and do those weekly creator focuses on a card. I think that would be awesome as a weekly thing. We would get a regular card. We know we're getting a card every week, even in the beginning of the season where it's usually slow and they don't reveal stuff. I think that would be awesome. I think you might be right. That would be an excellent change. I'm going to add one other thing. And I don't know if this is like, (laughs) this is me being selfish here. Okay. (laughs) And I don't know if this is just a North America thing or if it's a company wide thing, but it would be cool to see a lot more content creators getting cards to reveal. I'm so grateful and so appreciative that Robinsberger gave us the opportunity to reveal this card. But I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, there are a lot of people who are only on Twitter. Like, we have the podcast, but if I didn't have the podcast, I feel like, you know, on Twitter, somebody could drum up a lot of hype. Or on TikTok, you know, that's a video platform. Or Instagram. I just feel like there are other avenues than just, which I love my YouTube content creator friends but i feel like there are other avenues that would be good and and maybe it's just because they're waiting to figure the ambassador program out like we're kind of in this weird limbo state where it's like they want to work with content creators but the guidelines aren't necessarily there so i'm sure that that's what it it is coming down to i think so too i think just as as a new company with getting used to all of this this spoiler season thing and all the hype and all of that kind of stuff that goes with it and all of these people who want essentially want a piece of the pie 
uh, and how to deal with that. I think it's something that is taking them a lot of work to get into and maybe just not being fully staffed originally yeah, and not having the manpower to handle all of those requests and, and figuring it out and dealing with Disney and, yeah. you know, the whole PR department. I have a friend of mine, you know, the, that we had on earlier in the podcast, uh, Sean from, from Parks and Con. Um, he has dealt with Disney PR in the past and being a media at events and he says that it's just you know there's so many hoops and so many things you have to do and so many rules and you can just expect that there are all of those things added on when it's a licensee to disney that they have probably a whole other set of rules in addition to all those rules so um i think that's that's you know it's all of those things combined i think going into hopefully into next year uh, i think we're going to see the ambassador program start being used and and them uh, making to making better use of a lot of the things out in the world. Yeah, and I mean it's not a thing that's unique to Robinsberger. Like Magic is perpetually in a reveal season, but they have a product out right now called The Lost Caverns of Ixalan. I think that's the name of it. That sounds right. But there's a lot of uh pushback right now on social media because there wasn't a single content creator from mexico or central america that was given a card to reveal and it's kind of you know this this set is kind of based in that area so i mean nobody's perfect everybody's learning and i think that's all we can hope for is that you know lessons are learned all right bringing this back on track which Uh... card reveal have you enjoyed the most and what i mean by this is like you know different content creators like do videos or they do like little skits or whatever or they reveal it on their live stream which didn't, which is didn't which one of the videos? didn't one of the was it the one of the in the french discord didn't one of them like make like 30 fake cards and throw the real one in a batch and say okay one of these is real that was pick one it of out them, yeah yeah okay i like that but i don't like that <laughs> Because that's that's like too hard. I mean, then you get as you see all these other cards, and if they're cool cards, you're like, well, why isn't that a card? <laughs> right? Yeah. So anyway, um, I think it's kind of shared. Uh, I, like I, I mentioned earlier, the duel. I think that was really fun, uh, and I really enjoyed how they did that um, in the uh, HQ Discord. I really enjoyed that one, uh, but also I thought it was. I for some reason I just it may be because of the card that one of the three cards that was revealed, but when they did their post last week with the, the, you know, the text, the text that the, what do you want to call it? The series of tweets where like the fourth tweet was the three promo cards. And one of them was the Rapunzel. That's kind of got me, got me like it, 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 Oh, you know, tips it over. I just like that buried in this like really serious. Here's what's happening with restocking and reprinting and, and here's the you know what's coming up with with all of this you know competitive play and then oh by the way here's three cards I thought that was really cool that it, you know just like drop three cards in the middle of this this serious thing I thought was pretty cool. All right, so you and I are going to share something in common here. I also enjoyed the French reveal. Um, it wasn't like it wasn't the one that you were talking about with the the thirty made of cards and the one real card. Uh, there was one where they had the image like blurred and they would give little hints 
and they weren't obvious. And even us here that we're speaking English, we're, you know, putting the hints in the translate to try to guess what the clue was. And every time somebody got a clue, they'd reveal, well, no, if nobody guessed the clue, then they would reveal a little bit more. And then once the character was guessed, they revealed the cards. So I think that's how the the Duke, uh, the, the one from Cinderella was revealed and another one. But I I don't know. I just thought that was fun. Like, I think they did a really good job with how they handled their reveals. Yeah. So next, let's talk about how we're going to use some of these cards that have been revealed. Now we know you're your sapphire your sapphire boy but which card or deck are you most excited to try out okay you know me too well because literally i was gonna say the grand pabby how do you say his name grand pabby or pabby yeah i'm excited to give that card a try because it seems so powerful sapphire's gone well sapphire and Amber both have gotten a lot of healing support or just have a lot of healing support in their decks. I really like my Sapphire Amber deck that I've been running at my locals. And to get uh, lore every time that one of your uh, units, every time one of your characters is healed, that seems so incredibly powerful. And I mean, as far as the ramp, like I love the card that we got to reveal. And I love the Miss Judson. But, I mean, the one that we were able to reveal, I think I could see myself playing. But the Miss Judson, like, I I just, I don't know how well these cards go into the ramp deck. I really want ramp to work, but I'm just not exactly sure how these fit into that deck. But definitely I want to try a healing deck with the Grand Pabby. How about you? Yeah, when, when, when is too much ramp too much? Right. Although you gave a good scenario, you're like you have Detective Mickey out, and turn three, and then turn four, you use Detective Mickey to sing one jump ahead, and then you play the card that we revealed to put Mickey in the inkwell, and remove one of the opponent's threats. Right. Or if you're playing multiplayer, one of each of your opponent's threats. Ooh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. Let's see. What am I? I'm on. Well, I mean, it's just going back to uh, Amber. I think it's becoming fairly uh, obvious that Amber is the color that I'm probably going to stick with a lot. If I swap anything, uh, I might swap the steel for some emerald and see if I can do make a lemon lime work um, because I'm really enjoying all the stuff that we've been getting from from emerald. Uh, But also, I just I just like want to try all kinds of different stuff again and just settle on something that. I feel comfortable playing, um, you know? Hey, you know what? My locals, I like take a new deck every single week. If I have such a hard time settling on one. Eric, when we talked to him one of the last times, said that he has somebody that he works with that picks one deck and then sticks with it. And I have such a hard time doing that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I have two decks that I take and, you know, one for when I'm at um, the ones where, you know, there's something on the line. And then one, the Emerald Amethyst I take when I just want to have some fun and, and goof around and like, you know, mess with my opponent, you know, because it's more fun. It's a more fun deck. It's not like I'm trying to sit in there like 
uh, you know, trying to calculate all the math and do the lines and, and stay on curve. I'm like, hey, look, I got Flynn. Let me play Flynn. Oh, no, let me play this. And like, no, you know, let me draw some cards this time. I'm like, oh, I lost. Oh, well. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, um, I mean, I, there's it just depends on what I want to do. But what the what is been fun for me is building the the amber steel deck in a way that fits me so it's not like exactly the same deck like it's not the steel song deck or the aggro deck or whatever it's just like it's just a little bit of a variation that just works for how i want to play the game and uh and so i want to be able to do that again but i i'm thinking that it's going to end up being with amber again and just figuring out if i need to stick with steel or if i need to move over to emerald or move to amethyst or something whatever or even uh amber sapphire like you're running i mean that deck's pretty good so maybe maybe it gets even better who knows yeah i think it does so going on a tangent here away from reveal season this has been on my mind ever since that tweet you were talking about where they revealed the promo cards where they announced uh the organized playing competitive events they also announced fan events and i've just been sitting here thinking ever since then what exactly is a Lorcana fan event? So what what do you hope that those look like? Uh, I hope that they contact me to help run them. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope that they contact me so that I can go to them. Uh, but no, what do I what do I want a fan event to be? I want it to be something that is honestly 100% removed from the competitive scene mm-hmm. because I want everyone who is wary of the competitive scene where you know they may feel like it's because the competitive scene is its own thing and there's people competing for money and they're like hyper focused on building the best decks possible and all that other stuff that goes with the competitive which I'm fine with because I'm I'm going to want to be competitive at some point even if it's like you know, low tier competitive, but I want these fan events to be exactly that. I want it to be for the fans of the game. And I'm not saying competitive people, please don't show up because competitive people are also can be fans of the game, of course, and fans of Disney and all that kind of thing. But I don't want competitive to be an event at a fan event. I want them to keep them completely separate. I want, they can add fan stuff. And like you mentioned, side events at a competitive tournament, uh, like the official like world championships, they always run like side stuff for a bunch of people. They can do that at the competitive side, but I just don't want competitive at the fan event, first of all. But I want there to be uh, I want there to be casual games. I want there to be multiplayer games. I want there to be artists. I want there to be game designers talking, giving panels about how the, the game is designed. Artists talking about how they design them, like we saw at uh, Lightbox this weekend, where they had panels talking about designing a character. I want to see that kind of stuff. Um, the kind of stuff that I see at D23 um, and other conventions. Uh, one year at D23, one of the booths was an actual Scrooge McDuck money pit. <laughs> that you could jump into like it was basically like a, a big old ball pit but you could jump into it and i think you could like win prizes or something i don't know i never got to do it but just something fun like that activities for people to do of all ages um i would like there to be things like uh what um eric said they did at that special event at gen con where they 
They took your picture and put you on a card. Just all kinds of little things that don't require um, like a whole big mass. I mean, obviously a giant uh, uh, Scrooge McDuck uh, vault is would be a little expensive possibly, but a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't require a whole lot of money to do, but is still entertaining for a wide range of people. Um, and so there was, there would be something for everyone who's a fan, like in trading times and all kinds of different panels throughout the day, trade card trading times, you know, for organized trading. So it's all, you know, where everyone is like, has a nice secure place to do it. Um, you know, just all that kind of stuff. No, it's a uh, hard to add on to what you said, because you touched on a lot of the things that I was thinking about too. Um, and I think the comparison to D23 is apt because D23 is a celebration of all things Disney. And I think uh, that these fan events could be a Lurconicon that's just a celebration about the game itself. And in addition to what you said, maybe a panel on the lore behind Lurcana. I think that'd be awesome. And then the only other thing that you didn't mention that I would love to see there is like a merchandise store. I really want one of those Lorcana hats. I'm sorry, yes. but yes. Uh, I would rock one of those things. And I'm not typically a hat guy, but I do want one of those. T-shirts, hoodies, uh, Ravensburger. Uh, when are we getting Lorcana puzzles? Right? This would be the perfect place to introduce them. Yes. Come on. We know they're coming. Just where are they? <laughs> It's fun imagining it. It's it's fun like dreaming up what an event like this could look like. Yeah. And and they can do it at I mean it just depends on how big they want to make it and where, but I mean it can take up a small convention center or like a hotel uh uh ballroom kind of convention type of thing. There's plenty of things that they can do to make this as fun as possible for as many people as possible. And a weekend event like a two-day event would be just great. I, I did see someone mention also that they wanted it to happen like in like Anaheim or in Orlando. So it's right near the park. So people could combine it with a, a, a parks trip. And I'm like, that'd be cool. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> That's why they do D23 in Anaheim. So you can go across the street and go to Disneyland. Yeah. So, all right. So we talked about fan events. So let's bring it back to casual versus competitive. Uh, so when it was first announced, uh, that they sold the game. It was like, hey, this is going to be a casual game that you can play with your family. Uh, do you think that that is coming true? In my experience, I see the game leaning heavily towards the competitive side. And I think that there's like a natural progression in that. Like, I think a lot of times, I think at the beginning, a lot of people entered the game with a casual mindset. But those who are still playing now, I think, have just the competitive mindset. And I don't know if it, the casuals just dropped out or if they're doing their own things at home at their own time. But it's like when Ryan Miller was talking about this vision of Lorcana and all those articles at the beginning on Dicebreaker and Polygon. They're kind of talking about Lorcana being a very a beginner friendly game that you can play with your family and it's going to be very inclusive and definitely i mean we had zbex on here last week where she said half the people at her league the one day were women so i feel like lorcana is attracting that crowd but i don't know what they're doing to attract the casual crowd and and maybe that's i don't know 
like they have those guidelines that they send out with their organized play kit. Like if somebody wears a Disney shirt, they get a sticker or something like that. Like if those were things that leagues went by to award points, then that probably would foster a more casual scene. But at the end of the day, like we were talking about, it's typically at this point, typically the competitive people who are, are still coming out. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a couple of things. I, I think, you know, we don't really want to just keep coming back to this every time, but product availability. Yeah. If product availability, if products are not available at target and at Walmart for people just to see and pick up. And if they do find them at uh, online, if they go looking and they see that it's 300, $400 for a box of cards, they don't want to spend three or $400 for a box of cards to play on the kitchen table at home. They'll, they'll buy villainous for $35 or $40 or whatever it is. So yeah. I think that's, that's stopping a lot of that right now. And I actually, I know a lot of people have been complaining about the, the whole no, you know, the no competitive rules yet. You know, we've got the tur- tournament rules back up, but no, like comprehensive. That's it. The comprehensive yeah. rules. I mean, it kind of feels to me like they're not putting those out because once they put those out, then all the rules people are going to be like bringing those to every event and breaking them out in like every game possible. It just feels like that. So they're like, the longer they can keep from putting those rules out, the more it can stay just supposedly stay just like a cat, more casual kind of league thing where it's just a league. It's not competitive play, but of course most places have turned it into a competitive play where that's the kind of thing that runs in, you know, that, that works in their store. Um, and I've played in both and I've had fun at both. Um, you know, it's a lot less stressful playing in ones that are casual where nothing's on the line. It's certainly way less stressful, <laughs> <laughs> but both of them are fun and they're in their own way. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I think that casual will definitely swing really high once they can find people can find it in stores. And which is why I think they're trying in whether they're succeeding at, at the level everybody wants where they're trying really hard to get product into everybody's hands and get it into stores and all that. And I, unfortunately it's just not going to happen uh, in a, in a fast time scale. but I don't know. I mean, that kind of leads into the next thing that I wanted to talk about was how to foster that, that community. Because as I was thinking about this, even when you look at the different content creators out there, like, who's focusing on casual players and you have finance guys you have people playing on pixel born for the competitive you have people going over meta for the competitive you have people going over the news but how would you even cover how would you even make content for the casual crowd and especially regular content for the casual crowd because really i think it it really is just like here's things you can do to foster a casual environment and then you're done Right. So like for me, fostering a casual environment, yes, the people coming into play at most game stores are the comp- of a competitive mindset. Uh, and so how do you foster that? I think that unfortunately, because they can't find product, the stores can't really get into the mindset of fostering a casual environment. Um, but I think that it, it is partially the responsibility of the game stores 
to try and get people into that mindset who are coming in, but they have to be able to sell them a product to take home in order to help foster that or I, I invite they, them. To, go ahead. I think that they could. I mean, if you said starter deck only tournaments, or if you said commons and uncommons only tournament, that would definitely help foster a casual format. Or if you were like, all right, guys, this week we're playing an Aladdin deck or we're playing a princess theme deck. All decks have to be princess theme. I mean, those are things that you could do to foster a casual environment. Yes. And I think advertising out into the community in some way to get people to know about it and not calling them tournaments, you know, like you said, calling them events or, you know, uh, calling them, you know what they do for like um, the Warhammer and other uh, miniatures games. They call them take and paints or paint and take, whatever they want to call it, where you come in and you get to practice painting a little miniature and then you get to take it home with you. And so they could do, you know, for $5 or $10 entry for all the bulk they've got or they've been buying that like they can just buy a bunch of bulk and be like, you know, come in, help. We'll help you build a deck. We'll have some fun playing some games and then you get to take it home with you. And they could run events like that. And and that there it doesn't require them to have sealed product available that is currently hard to come by. Um, hopefully starter decks become more common so they can run starter deck events. But there's a lot of different, I think that there's a lot of different ways that stores could find interesting ways to help foster bringing people in. But of course, people have to know about the game to go looking for the game. And uh, so that's one of the things that I think is, needs to come at some point is advertising needs to be start needs to be started beyond just the 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 tcg sphere yeah because i mean i think at the end of the day it all comes down to who shows up i think the stores know that when you have a tournament with a three round swiss format uh people are going to show up for that with pricing on the line they don't know if people are going to show up for a you know, starter deck tournament or a popper format. So I don't know, I guess it's tough. Like I don't want to be a store owner and I don't want to be, you know, work on or trying to push like there's, it's such a hard balancing act. I don't know how you handle it. Yeah. And, and I've, I've seen some stores that do uh, say, you know, um, when you bring your decks, you can only bring them. They have to have like two colors only, or they have to have like villains, as the main character in it or something like that. I've seen a couple of stores uh, when I'm you know scrolling through the tag on Twitter, I see stores posting things about that. So I know that people are trying different things and I just don't know if it's working, you know, I mean, the, one of the stores I go to um, when they have product available, full house, 36 people every single night. Uh, now that they don't have product available as part of the event, it's, ca it's been the same exact format, three rounds, casual, you know, raffle only for prizing, no winning wins you more. And the the number of people got cut in a third when there wasn't product available. Um, so like only 12 people showed up when I went uh, at a free event. Uh, they don't even charge anymore. You know, it's, it's like, just come and play and we'll raffle some prizes and maybe you'll get a promo. Um, so that cut down. So product, I mean, it's always coming back to product. Unfortunately, it just seems like that's the thing that's causing the problems. Uh, I think that that will solve so many problems. It's going to cause other problems, but I think it will solve some of the problems we're seeing 
happening now. So we're going to circle back around again. We're doing a lot of circling tonight. We are <laughs> getting busy. Uh, so we're going to circle back around to set two. Uh, so it's time for some predictions. Uh, I can't recall what predictions we made for set one, but I'm pretty sure we were wrong most of the time, uh, at least half the time, maybe. So let's make some wrong predictions again. Uh, so first, uh, I'll ask first, and then you ask, and we'll go back and forth. Uh, so will Ruby Amethyst stay atop the meta? I don't know if it'll be on the top, but it'll still be there. It's not a very bold take, but that's that's where I'm staying. I think it will stay atop the meta, not necessarily as the number one deck, like you say. I think it'll still be up there as like one of the top three or something. But I also think that uh, it won't get played as much um, because a lot of people are finding out that the games are kind of boring and kind of lame to play with the deck, uh, even if they're winning. Um, I know people really like to win, but I know people also like to have fun. So I, I don't think everyone's going to switch, but I think enough people will that uh, it won't be the dominant deck at every single tournament. Which new keyword or mechanic will be the most impactful? Ooh, I'm going to say, I mean, we only have the one new keyword resist right so far. Yeah, I think the mechanic that's going to be the most impactful is the all of the discard in Emerald. I think that whole discard package with all the available options, I think may see more people trying that out than the bounce package in Amethyst. Uh, so I think that's actually going to be the most impactful. Yeah, see, I was going to go with the, the bounce package. Um, I totally see your point, though. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, the discard mechanic is a lot easier to understand, but also I see a world where if the bounce package does really well, that people are going to start copying it. And I think I don't see it myself, but I see somebody else figuring out this bounce deck and I could see it just being absolutely annoying. <laughs> well, so we'll discard. <laughs> and so, so it's it's like they, they just introduced two mechanics the the discard and the bounce packages that are going to be just like so frustrating to deal with but i have to believe like with the was it the dragon gym that was revealed today i have to believe like zebek said last time that they're gonna introduce more cards with recursion to bring stuff out of the discard pile and that's such limited recursion too we'll talk we might talk about that card later i don't know if it'll make it into the list of ones we want to talk about tonight but it's it's a it's a it's an okay card. It's just, it's since it's uninkable and it's only a very specific recursion that it may not see very much use. So, um, which ink do you see rising? I mean, this one's easy right now, right now with what we have revealed, it has to be Emerald. Yeah. It has I too agree. many cards like Prince John and the new Donald and the new Daisy, like all these cards that are, that just look fun to play with. I definitely see Emerald Star rising in the next set. Absolutely. Uh, no disagreement there. All right. Which one do you see falling? Which ink do you see falling? If there is no answer to resist, I see steel falling a bit because it's all area damage from big tink and things like that, that uh, it's not like straight removal. And so I think maybe we'll see uh, steel not being used as much if it just can't get past a, a resist deck. 
and if resist becomes a thing that a lot of people are using. So basically, steel won't be able to fight against steel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, unless Ruby gets some more amazing cards, I can see that falling. I mean, right now, Ruby basically only exists to help with Amethyst. And Amethyst is getting a whole bunch of stuff, and it can be paired with Emerald, like so many different things. So as of right now, I could see Ruby Star falling as well. Right. All right. So will we get any more Treasure Planet cards this set? I wanted to say yes. Like, I want to say yes, but... Like when they were leaking the cards that might come, like Judy Hops and Pinocchio and Snow White, they they said nothing about Treasure Planet, which really surprises me because since we got John Silver last time, I thought for sure we'd be getting more Treasure Planet this time. But I'm going to have to say no. I think if they want to be really, really fun, and if you want to call it fun about it, we're going to get one more treasure planet card and then we'll get one more in set three and then like maybe by set four we'll get like 10 of them like we do the big sets the big you know franchises that they put into each set or they'll wait like four sets and have a year of one card and like just stringing all the treasure planet fans around along for a year and then drop a bunch of treasure planet cards i think that would be hilarious (laughs) you're terrible (laughs) (laughs) all right and kind of speaking of treasure planet any surprise reveals like john silver and what i mean by that is they kept john silver secret basically until all the cards loaded into the app a week before the set released do you think we're going to have any surprises like that i think so i think yes i think that they when they announced the six franchises they were adding to set two and they like made a big deal about that i think that's not all the franchises that they're adding i think there may be something like atlantis or something like that where they just throw in one character just for fun and we don't see it until either the app gets updated or until the set comes out if they don't reveal all the cards it's gonna be brother bear brother bear that's your call (laughs) i'm calling atlanta i'm gonna call atlantis just for fun just just to see if they just to see if one of, I mean, neither one of us is going to be right. You know, we're not, we're not the overextended podcast right. called Treasure Planet. Yeah, Ben, you know, well, props to you. You keep, yeah, right. you keep resting on those laurels. He's going to be like, he's going to, yeah, he's going to be using that for what, two, three years? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the final question, will we get more lore behind Lorcana? I'm going to say uh, a qualified yes. Uh, I just remember a quote somewhere saying that set one and two were going to set the foundation and then three and four were really going to carry the story. Um, and we already see bits of it, like with the Donald Duck and Minnie uh, Diver. And like even in the reveal that they did today with the, I think it was the Dragon Gem where it said, you know, we don't want this item to fall in the wrong hands. So they're they're laying the foundation there, but I don't I don't know if we're going to get like a narrative of a story at this point. I think we're still just getting a setup and breadcrumbs yeah. for a story. Yeah, because I think it was, was it uh, the Gamers article that mentioned that, or one of the interviews where they mentioned that like set the first two sets are kind of just setting up things. 
Yeah. We're going to get a whole story in the first four sets, but the first two are kind of just setups. So I think we're going to get more teases and bits. And then I think we're going to get a lot more story in sets three and four. All right. So I think we jump into the ending segments here. Let's do it. First up, Lorcana Lexicon. What is our phrase or word for today? This is actually one that was uh, suggested a few weeks ago. It's just we kept getting good uh, words. So this is cheating out. And you'll hear this at your game store when you play. When you're cheating a character out, you're getting them out early at a reduced cost. So the classic card is just in time for Amber. Don't with Maui jumping on it. But what it does is that it's a three cost. And allows you to bring out a five cost character on that turn. So you would be cheating out a five cost card on turn three. So this sounds like it's basically another variation of playing ahead of the curve. Yeah. Yep. Right. It's kind of similar to that. I would say so. Cool. I knew something. (laughs) Uh, Was there any news this week? I don't think there was any, a whole bunch of news. There's a lot of cards. Yeah, not a whole lot of news. Uh, I did see that a few stores have uh, put up their uh, pre-orders for their allocations coming in for Wave 2. So Wave 2 is a real thing and uh, should be here in the next week or two, depending on the distributors getting stuff out. And now we have 30 cards to talk about. How are we going to do this? You know what? I think... This episode's gone pretty long as it is anyway. Let's each pick out one or two cards I think that we really want to talk about. So every year on the Comic-Con schedule podcast, we're supposed to pick one Dark Horse panel to highlight that we didn't cover in the main body of the podcast. And I always pick like five. (laughs) So you gave me a rule and I'm probably going to break it. So let's go. You pick one first. Okay. This first one, when I saw it, it just blew my mind. And it's on Emerald, of course. It's in action, four cost, and it's Pack Tactics, which says gain one lore for each damaged character opponents have in play. And this card, it just seems so crazy to me. If you combine this with Giant Tank, Or, better yet, if you have like a five cost character on board, you have them seeing, um, you have them seeing grab your swords, grab your sword, and then you play pack tactics. And if you are playing against one person, you know, maybe you get three or four lore for free. But if you're playing multiplayer and each of your opponents has three or four characters on the board, you slam two of these down and it's game over. Seriously, right? This is a crazy multiplayer card. Bonkers. It's so crazy. I don't know. It's it, yeah. It's it's a really good card. Uh, and it's inkable. Yeah, that means yeah. it's easy to put in your deck. So easy. Oh man. Uh, what am I first one gonna be? My first awesome card. <clears throat> okay, so the card I want to talk about is was just revealed today, and it is. Christopher Robin in Amber, six cost inkable, two strength, six willpower, two lore, 
and the ability will always be together. Whenever you ready this character, if you have two or more other characters in play, gain two lore. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So this is uh, earlier today we had another card, but this is the second card that the ready set draw phase actually has something to do now. Before, in the entire first set, there was nothing to do except for ready, skip set, and draw. Now we have something that when we ready, we have to do. And then the other card, uh, which I may find and, and talk about, is when it's set. Uh, and then you have to do something. It's it's something to do. And two free lore. Right? That's so and sick. It, and it's got a six willpower. It's a big, it's a nice big body that can stick around. If it's in Amber, that has Maximus as a bodyguard. And if you combine it with, oh, I don't know, Sapphire, you can play Aurora and Cogsworth and have Resist and Ward. And if you have a Maximus down, you have a bodyguard. Nobody's touching this card, right? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's unless, you know, some of their, unless someone's playing Goofy and they can just 10-10 it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other... Really, I, and the art is amazing, and it's Winnie the Pooh. It's Christopher Robbins on it, and Winnie Pooh's on it, too. So this is just an amazing card. I mean, the other combination that people have been talking about is uh, using LeFou or Fanning the Flames if you play on Ruby. I mean, yeah. Quest, Ready. I guess he can't Quest again if you use LeFou. No, but you can uh, oh. have it ready and not have it be attackable. Yeah. yeah. Someone would have to have direct removal in order to get rid of it. So it can just stay. Shield of Virtue. Yeah. Yeah. My second card. We're going to do two. My second card. And this is for sentimental reasons, but maybe also a practical one. But this is on Sapphire. Six cost, inkable. And it's Basil, the great mouse detective. This is the Floodborne version. As you recall, there were three that were revealed. This one only shifts one. That's the part that makes me sad. But when you play him, if you used shift to play this character, you may draw two cards when he enters play. That's one thing that Sapphire has struggled with is card draw. And this is a very conditional card draw. There were two other Basils that were introduced. One was a two cost, one is a four cost. But being able to draw two cards is huge. I mean, Stitch Carefree Surfer is also a conditional card draw. You have to have two characters on board to draw the two cards. So this one's similar, just a different step. So I think that that has the potential to really help fuel the uh, Sapphire engine. Yes, for sure. So I'm going to talk about... Uh, what I consider to I'm actually the one I mentioned the other one that has something to do in the ready set draw phase which is Donald Duck perfect gentleman uh, four cost inkable he's floodborne he's got a two strength five willpower with two lore shift three so you can shift him out on turn three and the ability allow me at the start of your turn each player may draw a card and you're like wait a second I don't want to help anyone by having everyone draw a card. Now it's May, so they don't have to. But why wouldn't you draw a card in the game where draw card draw is so important, right? Right. But oh, I forgot that there's all these cards in Emerald that just make you discard and get rid of cards, and then you get benefits for it in Emerald as well, like Prince John, where if you make someone discard, you get to draw a card. So 
uh, Donald Duck may be a perfect gentleman, but people playing Emerald will not be considered thus. <laughs> wah, wah. Yeah. Oh, man, there's so many other good cards, though. I want to talk about them all, like the new bell that takes advantage of the other bell, the Stop legendary it. bell. Stop it. And, Stop and it. then the amazing art that's on the Enchantress card. Yeah, that is awesome. mentioned art. there. I'll agree. And, or with discard that. with Lucifer. Uh, so much. Okay. Stuff. Are we ready for Disney? I'm trying like, to keep a, you on track. Just like, here. move on. What about the art on Pinocchio? <laughs> yeah. Lumiere. Oh, yeah. And the one you mentioned, Grandpappy. That's an, yeah, we already talked about that one, though. Yeah. Anyway, yes. 30 cards, people. Go look them up. They'll be in the app soon, or you can check out uh, Lorcania or Dreamborn.inc, and uh, you can see all the cards or Mushu Report. All of them have all the cards up. Check them out. Okay. Are you ready for Disney Jeopardy? I am not, but yeah. let's go. Okay. So today, today's theme is Alice in Wonderland. So I hope you are prepared. No. <laughs> okay. This might be this might be tough then. For 100, this is who wrote Alice in Wonderland. Lewis Carroll. Ding, 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 ding. Good job. All right, for 200, this is who wishes Alice an unhappy birthday. Right, matter of fact, it was actually him first. I'm going to say it was him first. So it was the Mad Hatter. Ding, 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 ding. There's two answers, the Mad Hatter and the March Hare, but I'm happy with either one. I, w- I okay. would take either one. I knew it was one of the two. I just didn't remember which one did it first. For 300, this one's getting a little more tricky here. This is what the white rabbit was late for. I mean, was he late for a very important date? That's the uh, that's the quote I'm referencing. But what's the date that he's late for? Uh, March 32nd. <laughs> it's not a specific date. It's more of an <laughs> event. <laughs> more of an event. Is it uh, the Queen's uh, something about the Queen's? Uh, some kind of where she's playing crochet or uh, croquet or something like that. You're you're in the right direction. It's uh, announcing the queen's arrival. Ah, so you. I mean, I, I got I got partial credit. I got like a third. Partial. Yeah, yeah. So you're at uh, three and a third. Not too bad. This one, okay. These are the animals used in the croquet scene. What are flamingos? Ding ding ding! For extra credit, there's a second. There's a second group of animals that are used. It was. See, I know it's a, it's a little like burrowing animal, but I can't remember which was it. Like, was it a gopher or a hedgehog? It was a hedgehog. Yeah. Wow. Good job. Okay, this one. If you get it, you're getting a high five from me. For five hundred. This is the name of the woods in Wonderland. See, it's, it's like living in like this little piece of my brain over here that I can't access right now because I know it, I know the Winnie the Pooh one. <laughs> um, it is not a hundred acre woods, right? I can't think. Of, I cannot think of it. What is the scary dark place? What? So close, but not really. What is 
What is Tolji Woods? Yeah. See, there was a um a landscape disc in Disney Infinity of that name. So that's why it's like there, it's just not okay. accessible. <laughs> Man, I would have been blown away. And All right. I didn't do too bad. Three, well, three and a third. No, you did pretty good. The uh That's what I was going for. I was going for a B minus. The white rabbit. And the Tolji Woods, those were the two that I thought would be tricky. Yep, and they were. All right, so if you liked what you heard, you can follow us on YouTube. You can subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice. You can find me on the website formerly known as Twitter at Citizens of Lorcana. And James, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me everywhere at Dan Regal. And you can check out GeekShotPhoto.com for photography and social media links for my wife and I. And uh, thank you again to Robinsberger for letting us reveal the card. And thank you all for joining us. And we'll see you later.